0: Hey everybody, Jeremy Markovich here. Two quick notes before we get going. First, this podcast has a new home. It's now part of the North Carolina Rabbit Hole, which you can find at ncrabbithole.com. There you can check out previous episodes of Away Message, you can find any new episodes that we're putting out, and if you like this podcast, I think, no guarantees, but I think you will like my weekly newsletter. It is about weird North Carolina stuff comes out every thursday it is free if you want it to be and you can sign up at ncrabbithole.com second this episode was produced during my time at our state magazine now i happen to think that most of it still holds up but some of the promo codes and websites that i mention may no longer work okay here's the show hello hey chuck this jeremy Hey, Jeremy. How are you? Good, man. So this story starts with a favor. Chuck McShane has written some stories for Our State magazine, and a little while back, he was in Washington, D.C. on a work trip. So I asked him to check something out for me. Where are you right now? I am at
1: uh, the corner of Sixth and D uh, Street Northwest in D.C.
0: And uh, right near and, the D.C. Courthouse. What building is there? Like, what, what what's there on that corner? Uh, this is the Register of Deeds office from 1941. And uh, and can you get inside? I cannot get inside. I sent Chuck over to a building in DC because of something that's inside, or rather, something that I think is inside. This thing that I'm looking for is proof—proof proof that somebody born in North Carolina was responsible. For a piece of artwork that's so common, so everywhere, that most of us probably don't even think of it as art. Okay, do me a favor. If you have a dime, pull it out. If you don't, no big deal, because I guarantee you that you already know what a dime looks like. Since 1946, It's included a profile of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a little raised portrait of the 32nd president that almost every American has seen before, has touched before. You know that image. Now, have you ever stopped to think, I wonder who created this tiny little sculpture that I carry around in my pocket? Well, what if I told you that the creator might actually be a black woman from a small town in North Carolina? You'd want to know more, right? I did. And my search for proof... Led me to a lot of places, including an old building in Washington D.C. That's all locked up. I'm, I'm looking inside now. The windows haven't been cleaned, and I can see broken glass, some random chairs, kind of squat. It's about three three stories old marble building. Looks like it hadn't been cleaned in a while, yeah. but no one's no one's getting in there. I started out trying to tell a story about whether a North Carolinian named Selma Burke might be responsible for the artwork on the dime. What I found was a story about facts, facts that matter, facts that don't. It's a story about what happens when you set off in search for a simple yes or no answer and can't find what you're looking for. From our state magazine, this is a way message, a podcast about what you find in hard-to-find places. I'm Jeremy Markovich. Okay, now I'm ready. Okay. These headphones are terrible, as you can tell. Now, it turns out I am not the only person who's interested in learning more about Selma Burke.
2: Hey, my name is Monet Noel Marshall, and I am an artist, a director, a cultural organizer, and a consultant in Durham, North Carolina, the Bull City.
0: So a little bit of everything.
2: A little bit of everything, yes. But all of them still within the realm of art and creativity and using art and creativity to connect with communities.
0: So, Selma Burke, how did you get interested in her?
2: I know social media can be uh, the best of times and the worst of times, but I definitely saw a Facebook meme about her and the history of the dime. The dime is such a ubiquitous thing. We see dimes everywhere, and to think that the art on the dime could have been created by a Black woman, and not just any Black woman, but a Southern Black woman, it floored me. So I just wanted to know more about who she was and how did that even come about.
0: At the beginning, Marshall knows about as much as I do. We both went online and googled Selma Burke and got the basic facts. I know that she was born in Mooresville. Born in 1900, died in 1995.
2: I know she didn't end up staying in North Carolina.
0: We both found a lot of articles that said, without hesitation, that Selma Burke created the image of FDR that's on the dime. And we also found a lot of articles that said, no, she didn't.
2: About the story around the dime, what I find so interesting is that even still there's still controversy and between whether or not it's her art on the dime or if it's this other man. But she held on to her death that that is her image, that I created that. And the ways in which in our country the story of he said, she said, and when you add gender and you add race to that story, how those layers of power are so indicative of so many stories in our country around like who actually created a thing versus who gets ownership of a thing.
0: So I set out to see if I could find some proof that Selma Burke created the artwork on the dime or to prove that she didn't. Okay, so I am turning on to Selma Drive. I started off by driving to her hometown Mooresville. There's no Selma Burke Drive, but there is a Selma Drive that intersects with Burke Circle. And this is Burke Crossings. It's a Habitat for Humanity community, it looks like. And, um, oh, there's a dime on the sign. So there's the Selma Burke Center little community center. I'm just going to stick my head in here. Uh, Inside of the Selma Burke Community Center, there's a small display case with a few knickknacks connected to her inside of it, but it's basically the same stuff I've seen online. So, next stop. Hey! How are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing well. The Mooresville Public Library where I meet with Andy Poor, the curator of Special Collections.
1: Well, Dr. Burke was a
3: native of Morsel. Her father was a minister at the AME Zion Church, and she actually grew up in the Cascade area, which is a mill out on the town limit, or was on the
0: town limits now inside town. And she always loved art. Selma Burke went on to study nursing at Winston-Salem State and actually became the first registered black nurse in Mecklenburg County. But then she left the area and never really came back too much. Burke never had any children, which means, at least in Mooresville, there really isn't much of Selba Burke left behind. She was sort of private, so her
3: life outside of Mooresville stayed outside of Mooresville. So like all of her papers and her, her st- archives went to Pittsburgh and, and various places. So sadly, we don't have a lot on her.
0: Now, the one thing that the library does have is a video. A home video from 1990, actually. As you can hear, the music is very
1: 1990.
0: It was put together by Burke's great nieces, who were in fourth grade at the time.
1: Hi, we're here in New Hope, Pennsylvania. And this is Dr. Selma Burke's house. Come on, let's go visit Dr.
2: Selma Burke. Hi, Dr. Burke. How are you? Fine, how are you? I'm so glad to see you, man. I am glad to be
0: here. Burke is 90 years old in a wheelchair with white hair and glasses, but she's still sharp as a tack. She shows the girls how to sculpt right there in her backyard. I want
1: to clean up a spot like this. I have to use the tooth
0: And she tells them about how she started off in Mooresville at age 7, sculpting things using the clay from the creek, Behind her house,
1: I used to catch a June bug, and I would pull his head off. <laughs> and then I would make him lay down on a board, and then I would take the clay and model him. And then I would have to look for his head, and put it back on, so I could model his head.
0: Back inside, Burke shows the kids a sketch of FDR that's hanging on the wall. I
1: go into this profile of President Roosevelt that ended up on the dime. In
0: 1943, she entered a contest to create a sculpture of President Roosevelt. There were 12 entrants, three black and nine white. She won. Were
2: you excited? Oh, very excited.
0: Now, from there, Burke gets a chance to sculpt the president's profile. So she gets the president to sit for her, does her sculpture, and it's not long after that that a new version of the dime is released by the U.S. Mint, featuring FDR's profile on it.
1: And anybody that has a dime in their pocket could look at and see that.
0: It. It's a good story, but it's a little light on detail. For example, how exactly did the sketch become a sculpture, and then how exactly did that sculpture end up on a coin? From the video, that part is not clear. And from everything else I've been able to find up until that point, I didn't really have enough to tell the whole story. So I did some more digging. And I found two men who got to ask those questions directly to Selma Burke herself. And it turns out they both came to very different conclusions. That part of the story, when A wave Message continues. Let's kind of walk over and take a look at this, okay. this piece right here. For this next part of the story, we're inside the small art museum on the campus of North Carolina Central University in Durham with the man who ran the place for 30 years, Norman Pendergraft. This is one that you helped bring in.
3: This statue is the falling angel, not fallen, but falling, and the angel is coming down to help mankind against evil, and the snake the angel is holding and choking, as you can see, is a symbol of the the angel helping control evil and it was carved in wood i visited selma and we talked about this piece and and she said she would be willing to sell it
0: so what what is it about this piece that really got got your eye what what, why are you so drawn to this one
3: well one was it was available (laughs)
0: By the time Norman Pendergraft bought the statue in 1977, Dr. Selma Burke was an accomplished artist. Her grandfather had been a slave to Stonewall Jackson. Her father was a Methodist minister. She had nine other brothers and sisters and all but one of them earned doctorate degrees. In fact, her mother went back to school and got her degree at age 80. As for Burke, she left Mooresville to go to boarding school and never really looked back. She moved to New York City and studied at Columbia and Sarah Lawrence. She became part of an art movement known as the Harlem Renaissance and married the poet Claude McKay. In 1942, she became one of the first black women to join the Navy. She founded an art school in Pittsburgh. Jimmy Carter honored her at the White House. And when Norman Pendergraf went to go see her, she was living on a farm outside of Philadelphia.
3: The farm was beautiful. She loved it. Um. It was natural, it was sort of rolling, and there was a little stream. She said that she and her husband used to go skinny dipping in the the stream and play Adam and Eve. (laughs) She was married at least five times, but she loved all her husbands, but I think this one was probably her favorite. I think she was very open, very free, and she did not focus on negatives. She was happy. She always had a wonderful smile. I I never saw her frowning. Selma was large. I I don't mean fat. She was large. She was, as a young woman, very elegant, but tall and dark. She was not light-skinned, so she would have had the color barrier very obvious that she'd have to stand up to. But she managed it very well and uh, she went to Europe. In Austria she studied, and she had two friends that lived out in the country, and she she was a wonderful storyteller. Oh, what a wonderful storyteller she was. She uh, said uh, one day she decided to go out and visit her friends, and they served martinis. And she had a little accident on her motorcycle and she ended up in a nunnery and the nuns were just rubbing and rubbing and saying, sure to flush sure to flush trying to clean off the black and it wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> she was fairly rare in that part of Austria. <laughs>
0: Tendergraft is retired now, but when he was just starting off as a professor, he had a lot to learn. In
3: 1966, I started teaching at Central. And in uh, 67, the chair said, Norman, you're going to have to teach black art. And I said, what is it? I had no idea. Being white, uh, I had had the white education. I knew George O'Keefe, Selma Burke, I did not know. And Alice Neal, I certainly didn't know, nor did I know Isabel Bishop, and all five were wonderful artists. But those people were just, if you didn't live in their neighborhood, you didn't know who they were.
0: In fact, the fact that for a long time, it was like, art maybe had been written about or or documented from a a white point of view, and so now it's almost like people are playing catch-up on, you know, black artists who do the amazing work, but maybe didn't get the sort of notoriety or the sort of fame that might have been easier for a white ar- artist to get. Right. I
3: I think today uh, it's much easier to find something on someone uh, that is not of your group. I think we're moving in a healthy direction.
0: But what that also means is that it can be harder to find source material on black artists of the past. Artists like Selma Burke, In her case, we do know where the story about FDR and the Dime begins. And it begins with that sculpture contest that she won.
1: But anyway, I won the privilege of doing the profile of President Roosevelt in 1943. And uh, of course, I had, he sat for
2: me.
0: Now, that part may not seem like a big deal. But remember, that portrait session was happening at least a decade before the civil rights movement started to pick up steam in this country. At first, Burke was told that she would have to make the sculpture using pictures of the president, but she pushed back, saying that there weren't enough pictures showing FDR from the side for her to be able to do that. So the White House said, okay, he'll sit for you for five minutes. But Burke and FDR got along so well that those five minutes ended up being a few hours.
3: She told me a story about the, when she was going to the White House to uh, do sketches of President Roosevelt, She had this Carmen Miranda hat with lots of fruit on it and so forth. Carmen Miranda, the great actress, dancer, singer. And uh, her brother said, you can't do that. You're going to see the president. You must be more discreet. She said, no, I'm going to wear it. And the president actually liked it and complimented her hat. So she had uh, several sessions
0: with him. Burke finishes her sculpture. It's a flat rectangle made from bronze, meant to be mounted on a wall. At the top are four ideas, laid out in FDR's State of the Union address in 1941.
1: Four essential human freedoms.
0: Freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear.
3: Freedom means the supremacy of human rights everywhere.
0: In the middle of the rectangle is a relief portrait of FDR, gazing off to the side. He looks young. Maybe a little too young.
1: But Mrs. Roosevelt came to my studio and she thought that I'd made him too young and maybe I ought to have another look at him.
0: To which Burke is said to have replied, quote, I've done it for tomorrow and tomorrow. I don't want people to feel something about a wrinkled old man. I want to give the feeling of a strong Roman gladiator that we could feel was strong and would lead our country, quote. After that, Eleanor Roosevelt was on board. But before Burke's sculpture could be unveiled... Through the whole free world, the stunning news has come that Franklin Roosevelt is dead. Then things happen fast. Really fast. On September 25th, 1945, Burke and President Truman unveil the FDR plaque. Then.
1: In Philadelphia, the United States Mint begins the stamping
3: of a new coin bearing the profile of the late President Roosevelt.
0: That coin? The dime. The reason? Well, during his life, FDR had founded the March of Dimes, an organization that asked people to give their dimes to fight polio. In 1946, the government figured that putting the late president's profile on the dime would be a fitting tribute.
3: 2,700,000,000 of these new 10-cent pieces are being coined.
0: And that's when Selma Burke notices that the profile on the dime looks really similar to the sculpture she made. What did she think about about that?
3: Selma was not a person that carried a lot of anger, thank God. No, she was not angry. She noticed when she went to look at her uh, sculpture in Washington that someone had taken and done some stenciling around it or something. And uh, if you look at the dime, you'll see that uh, it, it's very similar to her portrait and it's a profile. <laughs>
0: So you would need to you would need to have something where he was sitting in profile or him to sit in profile to generate that just to get the angles and the and everything else right.
3: Yes, as I say, I saw her drawings and they were that's the way she had done it.
0: What happens sort of in the art world or among artists when a piece shows up that is clearly inspired very closely by another, even like very recent piece? Like if I, did, if I did a painting and all of a sudden another one shows up that somebody else did and it looks really similar to mine, is that a big issue? It certainly
3: is. And today there would be a big lawsuit. And, <laughs> and the artists who had been tread upon would be victorious.
0: Here's the tricky part of the story. All of this happened years before Pentagraft and Burke met, and anyone who was part of the process died a long time ago. So I reached out to another man.
1: I'm Bob Van Risen. I was editor of Coins Magazine. How did you meet Selma Burke? That came about because by the 1990s, there were newspaper reports and stuff that Selma Burke was uh, claiming that she had designed the Roosevelt dime, and we agreed to to meet in July of 1993...
0: How did that go? What was, she, what was she like?
1: Oh, she was a wonderful person and very detailed. She was about 92 at the time, 92, 93 years old, but her memory seemed seemed fantastic. What was she saying about exactly her role with the uh, FDR dime? With the dime itself, well, see, the, the whole thing is very tight here. After Roosevelt died, shortly thereafter, they were, um, they were trying to get a new dime design in time for the beginning of the March of Dimes campaign
0: in 1946. Van Rysen says the man who officially has credit for creating the image of FDR on the dime is a man named John Sinnock. At the time, he was the chief engraver at the U.S. Mint. And if you look at the dime, right at the bottom of the neck, you can see his initials, J.S.
1: Sinnock submitted his models of Roosevelt for the dime on October 12, 1945, according to records. And her plaque had been unveiled just shortly before that, September 25, 1945.
0: Now, the official story is that he created the image using his own drawings. But there is a wild card here. Because one night, right in the middle of this whole process, Burke says she got a phone call.
1: One night she received a call from uh, Ruth Wilson at the Recorder Deeds office in Washington, D.C. And that's where her plaque was being displayed. And this Ruth Wilson called her in the middle of the night and told her that that Senack and Marshall Shepard and Marshall Shepard, at the time, was the new recorder of deeds.
0: Had made a deal to take her drawing to the mint. So, in her, in her mind, she designed this plaque, which there is ample record of. Yes. And, yes. And then, not long after that, a design that seems very similar to hers, in short order, becomes the design that ends up on the dime. And it's not exactly right. similar, but it's it's a profile. It's, it's it looks like him. It was done hmm. not long after and somebody contacted the Recorder of Deeds office saying, hey, somebody came over here and looked at this.
1: So the timing is so close, they, they look so much alike, to me anyway, and in fact, I think her drawing looks more like the dime than the plaque does. But if you were to look at Sinnock's works, he submitted models, changed the models, had done life studies of President Roosevelt in the 1930s for an inaugural medal, and so it's hard to believe that he needed another work even to consult. That doesn't mean that somebody there didn't look at her design. Not necessarily at the mint, but somebody involved in the entire process. But that's just a guess on my part. Sinoch died in
0: 1947, a little more than a year after the FDR dime was released. But Selma Burke lived on for almost a half century. And for the rest of her life, she kept on telling people, that's my design. And after a while, her claim wasn't listed as a claim anymore. It started to become the truth. In some cases, it's mentioned... You know, that she did design the
1: dime, but there's just no no way to, that that you could prove that in the first place. I tend to believe there's some truth to the story of Ruth Wilson and the design going somewhere. I don't think Sinek used it or needed it to do the dime. I wish from the sake that I, I really liked Dr. Burr, She was very gracious and a very nice person. I believe she believed sincerely that the dime was her design. You I can't, don't make you can't a, say that it is, but you can't say that right. it isn't but the right.
0: evidence would lead you to believe that it's not, but there's no, there's no smoking gun here that would definitively say one way or the other. Right. What do you come away with with the story of Somburg and the Dime when, when you kind of think about it and you're, you have a visceral emotion to it? What is, what is that emotion?
2: Hmm. I think the initial emotion is pride.
0: Monet Marshall, the artist from Durham, knows that conclusive proof of Selma Burke's involvement may be impossible to find. And in a way, that doesn't matter.
2: Even if we can, again, never prove that, like, oh, this actually was Selma Burke's image, the fact that this black woman has been able to create immortality for herself, she made herself a player through her art and left little Morrisville, North Carolina, and somehow by the end of her life is connected to the dime. Right. So it gives me pride that even if there are folks who never know who she is or never know her name, I know her name and I know that she existed and I know that she was able to use her art to find a way out and to find some freedom for herself and to find some access for herself. And, as a young Black woman who's an artist, I think it reminds me that I am not a new being, that there have always been Black artists creating their way out and, and imagining a new world and using that to, to access power. And if nothing else, that gives me hope for what I can achieve
3: It's significant in that you think that here was an African-American woman in the 40s going to the White House to draw and to sculpt the president of the United States. It's amazing.
0: And when you look at it that way, Burke's sculpture of FDR is important, regardless of whether it became the inspiration for the dime.
3: I must admit, I have never been to see the thing at, I think it's at the Register of the Deeds office. And I've never seen it. Have you? No. And and, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's the truth. uh, And I should go to Washington just to see
0: that. That is not possible. The city government in Washington, D.C. tells me that the Recorder of Deeds building closed in 2008, and it's been vacant ever since. There's a leaky roof, and they're not letting anyone inside for safety reasons. In fact, nobody can tell me, for sure, whether her Four Freedoms plaque is still inside. For a story about Selma Burke, that seems appropriate. When life begins to imitate art, what you know is less important than what you feel. Message is a production of Our State Magazine, an employee-owned company that's been celebrating North Carolina for more than 85 years. You can get $5 off a year's subscription to the magazine. Just head over to OurState.com, click on subscribe, and use the promo code AWAY to get $5 off a year's subscription. It's our thank you for listening to the show. This episode was produced by me and James Michkowski with help from Mark Kemp. Elizabeth Hudson is our editor-in-chief. Special thanks this week to the American Numismatic Association, the NC Central Art Museum, the D.C. Preservation League, and the librarians at the North Carolina Museum of Art for their help in the research for this story. Our closing song this week is I Don't Know by Sleepy Dog, a great band from Boone. Go Mountaineers! And one last thing. Selma Burke's last major sculpture was a statue of Martin Luther King that now sits in Marshall Park in uptown Charlotte. But some folks wanted a modification.
3: Someone said, It doesn't look like him. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the head off and put something on there that looks like Martin Luther. And she said, You do it, I'll sue. <laughs> now she said, Don't worry, it'll grow to look like him. <laughs>
0: We'll be back with another new episode of Away Message really soon. I'm Jeremy Markovich. Thanks for listening.